I'm Julianne DeLynn Hatton, and you're listening to Faith and Reason on the Mormon Faircast. This series will discuss the Prophet Joseph Smith and the authenticity of the gospel he restored. I'll be speaking with Michael R. Ash, author of the book of Faith and Reason, 80 Evidences Supporting the Prophet Joseph Smith. Welcome, Michael Ash. Hi, Julianne. Today in your section on doctrines, we're going to be speaking about secret teachings among the apostles. Yes, a fascinating topic, I believe. I'd like to begin with a quote from your book, A Faith and Reason, 80 Evidences Supporting the Prophet Joseph Smith. And you say, although Jesus often gave sermons that lasted for hours, all of his words in the New Testament can be read in about a half hour. I wasn't aware of that. It's kind of surprising, isn't it? You you know, we think that the New Testament uh, is about all the teachings from Jesus, uh, where it's really, you know, mostly his disciples writing things, and they uh, have quotations, or they record some of the sayings of Jesus, but if you extract all those uh, sayings out and compile them, you know, down to um, just the essence of what Jesus said, it, it's very basic. And and we know, again, from what the disciples said, that he had given these long sermons on many occasions, but we just don't have much of that recorded. You say there have been recently, or fairly recently, discovered manuscripts of things that Jesus said. Yeah, a lot of us come about, um, or at least an interest has come about, uh, from the Nag Hammadi Library, which uh, we've talked about earlier. It was in, I believe it was about 1947, mid-1940s, where uh, these these earthen jars were discovered, a little bit almost like the, the Dead Sea Scrolls, but basically that there were these books that were inside of them, and, and uh, um, some of them they were leather-bound books, some of them, and they were uh, some were burned as as, as fuel, and uh, it wasn't until they were put on the market that uh, somebody recognized the value of these. I was reading recently actually that scholars were stumped for a while because. They all have what they call a Gnostic flavor, and Gnostic means to know. And so basically the people who wrote these were among um, what scholars somewhat liberally uh, term the Gnostics or people that believe they have this secret knowledge. And and some things are kind of contradicted in in some of the uh, various documents. And scholars were stumped by this thinking, why would they have... uh, books that didn't necessarily mesh completely up with other books. And, and it was discovered later on that it was uh, it was a, basically a library collected by somebody that was pretty much studying these, these various Gnostic writings uh, back, you know, uh, in the fir- first, I wouldn't say the first centuries A.D., but a little bit later than after the uh, writings were actually produced and, and, and a lot of the uh, early church uh, in Catholicism, the Roman Catholicism, they were burning these type of books as what they viewed as heretical, and so somebody had taken these and uh, hid them away so they wouldn't get burned. But but anyhow, these Gnostic writings that in, in the Nag Hammadi Library, uh, they believed that they had some of these secret teachings, and, and, and we have to be careful that we don't assume that uh, all these writings necessarily have all the things that Jesus had taught but it shows that there was a belief among early Christians that uh, Jesus had sayings that were secret that were not divulged to the general public and that were not recorded in what we have in the Bible. Why would the church at that time not want to make these sayings available? 
Well, Jesus taught many times in parables for the same reason. He said, those who have ears, let them hear. Um, and, and these teachings were kind of the meat rather than the milk. And so they were reserved for basically the initiated, people who already believed. When somebody believed and has faith and um, accepts the basic foundation of the teachings of Christ, then they're ready to receive more. Whereas, as we know from sad example ourselves, when people reject the basic teachings, uh, any more complicated or, or um, I wouldn't say even necessarily more complicated, but more treasured teachings are often mocked. And, uh, you know, these teachings are sacred and, and reserved for those who are ready to hear more. Can we talk about the secret gospel of Mark to begin with? Yeah, um, Dr. William Hamblin, who, he's a Near Eastern LDS scholar, um, and, and he's not alone in this. Uh, Non-Mormon scholars have agreed with him, but they have said that it's possible to establish a link to the canonical Gospel of Mark uh, with the secret Gospel of Mark, and that it looks like maybe the Gospel of Mark was dependent on the secret Gospel of Mark. And so this would have been, um, again, an early writing that uh, was not passed around to the general population of the church that would have had these teachings from Christ. Now, when Christ came back from the resurrection, it says that he taught for 40 days. Uh, he taught the disciples. And we don't have anything in the Bible that says what he taught. So for 40 days, Christ taught this stuff to his apostles, and where's this information? Um, it was obviously very important. You know, I mean, the, the apostles would have asked questions. You know, where did you go? What did you see? What's going on in the afterlife? I mean, anybody else would have had you know, tons of questions. They would have been human as well. And, and so Christ taught them, but the stuff is not contained in the Bible. In fact, um, non-LDS scholars refer to uh, the general category of some of these writings that are, are ancient and refer to kind of these secret things as the 40-day literature, because th they all kind of tie into what uh, some speculate Jesus might have said then. And like I said, this is where we have to be careful, because obviously there were people that were counterfeiting it, and, and people that were going off of rumors, but nevertheless we know from the Bible itself that Jesus really did teach these things, and it seems very possible that at least uh, if they weren't recorded by the apostles, they were probably shared, at least in oral form, to some members in the church who were also ready to hear some of the teachings. And at some point, these things were recorded down, or these rumors uh, kind of arose from some of the teachings and were recorded by others. And, and that's what, what uh, we find in the 40-day literature. Can you give me an example of a book that is considered 40-day literature? There's a lot of books that fall into the category of the 40-day literature and the Gnostic writings, and there isn't a hard list. That There's scholars that debate kind of where the lines are drawn. Um, Elaine Pagels, uh, she's a non-LDS scholar who's written a lot about this, and she has various categories of uh, you know what seems to fall into this literature. Um, and like I said, it's, it's hard to for non-LDS scholars to put a finger on exactly where the lines are drawn, and, and it is for LDS scholars as well, because we haven't been given a revelation on this. 
what we have as an advantage is we have modern day revelation uh, teachings that tie to the temple you know some of the the higher teachings that christ would have taught and so when we read through the gnostic literature the 40-day literature we can find traces of the things that have been revealed in modern times and find these in ancient times um, and so it's kind of a in a sense a backward comparison you know we we have the truth and we can see hints of these things in some of the ancient literature as well can you give me an example of an lds practice that is mentioned in what's considered the 40-day literature baptism obviously was uh something that was done in in the open um and, and we we read in in first corinthians about baptism for the dead um, most non-LDS scholars don't know what to do with that, um, but you know we of course have uh, modern revelation on baptism for the dead, and we do pick up things from some of these ancient books that talk about how uh, some were baptized in behalf of the deceased, uh, and we also read of um, you know different ceremonies without getting too deep into LDS doctrine, but things that tie very closely to what we find. Uh, in the temple ceremonies, one of which um, is sacred vestments. Which is what we're going to talk about next. Yes. Thank you, Michael Ash. Thank you, Julianne. Thanks for listening to Faith and Reason on the Mormon Faircast. I'm your host, Julianne DeLynn Hatton, inviting you to keep the faith. Michael R. Ash is the author of the book, Shaken Faith Syndrome, Strengthening One's Testimony in the Face of Criticism and Doubt, as well as the book of Faith and Reason, 80 Evidences Supporting the Prophet Joseph Smith. Faith and Reason is produced by Tom Hatton with music courtesy of Arthur Hatton. The opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of Fair Mormon or The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You can support this podcast by subscribing to it in iTunes and by rating it and writing a review. Questions or comments can be sent to podcast at fairmormon.org or you may join the conversation at fairblog.org.